Good evening, good evening, everyone. How are you? I'm so glad to have you here with me. Today is October 17th, 2019, and we are getting into chapter 17 on um, the Pursuit of Proverbs Bible Lesson Study for Small Group Gone Social. I'm Brittany. In case you don't know by now, we are more than halfway through this whole series. I love it. And, um, you know, let's get started. You know, I always open out in prayer, read the passage, and then we will decipher the passage and speak about how to properly apply it to our life. Just giving you some realistic viewpoints on some of these scriptures. All right, let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, that you've given to us, that you've allowed us to see, whether it been through a season of hurt and pain and strife and struggle, or whether it been through a season of just redemption and glorious, just happiness and joy in your light, in, in your spirit, Lord. Um, we ask that you just continue to help us and guide us and open our eyes to give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear so that not only can we take in your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and instruction, but that we also can, through you, find creative ways to also expel that information, that knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and instruction onto other people in a way in which they will receive it with gladness and joy in their heart. For we know this is your will, dear Father God, as well as wanting us to repent for our sins, turn away from our old ways, so that we may be able to obtain the Holy Spirit and have a renewing of our mind and a new life, and that we may be transformed in your light. Again, we thank you and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> that was good. Okay, so now starting at chapter 17, verse 1, let's go. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. A present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. An evil man seeks only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is like releasing water, therefore stop contention before a quarrel starts. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom, since he has no heart for it? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. He who loves transgression loves strife, and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. He who has a deceitful heart 
finds no good, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. He who begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. A merry heart does good, like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. A foolish son is a grief to his father, and bitterness to her who bore him. Also, to punish the righteous is not good, nor to strike princes for their uprightness. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you all, let's jump right into it. Starting at verse one, right away, what does it say? Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. (laughs) Guys, I know firsthand that this is the truth, okay? So one thing that my dad has always taught me and one thing that I have come to understand just in my just living, just being alive is that a peace of mind is completely priceless. You cannot put a price on it. It can't hold um, value. You can't buy it. Peace is the ultimate thing that you always want, okay? And it is much better to have a little in a space or a house or a dwelling, but have peace in that dwelling than to have an overabundance of things, anything you could want at your very disposal at any given moment or second in your home. But there's lots of strife and struggle and anxiety and depression going on in that home. You don't want that. It's not pleasant. And so a lot of times it's based, it depends on the people that are in your house. And maybe you have roommates that cause a lot of strife or some family members. And so if you're young and you can't move out on your own yet, you know, just be patient. And, you know, if you have a room, a bedroom to yourself, then really, really uh, cherish that space while you can, you know, make it your own, make it a happy place, a place where you can go and even commune with the Lord. All right. And meditate on his, on his holy word, you know, make it a a space that you look forward to going to so that, um, maybe, you know, you have distanced yourself from some family members, um, that may live with you, or maybe some people who used to be your friends who are now roommates or just roommates, whatever. But, you know, try to keep peace as, be- as best that you can. Um, but just always know that a peace of mind is priceless. It cannot be purchased. And I know sometimes we can save $100 here, $200 there a month on rent or whatever by having roommates. But sometimes we need to ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is it worth the hassle of the noise and the stress and the anxiety and the disruptions that you go through on a regular reoccurring basis? And um, I would raise my hand and say, no, no, it's not worth the extra $100, $200. And like I say, you can't put a value on peace, but we really have to look at a perspective and say, is it worth your trouble? Okay. And you have to do that in a lot of things. At the same time, you also have to have a kind heart. A roommate situation has nothing to do with really a kind heart unless they're in your home and your name is on the home and it's literally your home. But if you're just rooming in someone's home, like three or four or five of y'all and all of y'all answer to the same landlord and none of y'all own that home, then that's a whole nother story. You don't have to put up with that. So that was just an example, a roommate example, a family member example. Um, A peace of mind is priceless. Always remember that. Always, always, always remember that. And don't jeopardize it for anything. Okay. Verse three, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. 
but the Lord tests the hearts. So understand that we will go through or the Lord will put situations in our past to allow us to go through what's called a sanctification period. All right. But the thing of that is you have to be able to be strong enough to go through it. Remember, he won't put anything on you that he knows you cannot handle. All right. So when it says a refining, refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, the purification process. Okay. There's a purification process for silver and for gold. And so he will put people through, he'll put situations in your, in your way to help purify you. Now, based on how you react to the situation, okay, will expose what's in your heart. But the Lord already knows what's in your heart. So um, whatever calamity might be in your life or whatever, it's, it's an opportunity for you to repent. It's an opportunity for you to surrender your life, to abandon your life over to the Lord. And you have to make that decision. You have to make that choice. But again, I've said this before, and here we go again, you know, you cannot give false repentance. It's no such thing. It doesn't work. It can't, it, can, it doesn't <laughs> do anything for you, it, but put a roadblock in front of you. And uh, he's going to send you back to the drawing board and say, nope, try again. You know, you cannot send up false repentance. Um, and the prayers of those who are wicked in the heart or evil in the heart are lift up worship and praises to false gods, false goddesses and um, dark angels, which in which they think they're godly angels and they're not. Um, your prayers actually go unheard. So if you wonder why you keep praying and you feel like you're never getting an answer from God or God is consistently absent, what are you doing? What what are you doing in your life that is against his word? That's why we have to start reading the Bible, guys. We have to start reading the word. And is there something that you're doing in your lifestyle that is a regular reoccurring that's just habitual? You just make a habit out of doing something and that lifestyle is perverse or an abomination to the Lord. If it's an abomination to the Lord, well, you can't wonder why you keep sending up prayers and they're not being answered because you refuse to repent and he sees that in your heart. So remember in the last days, so many people will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy um, in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he will say, you doers of inequity. So you people who lived a lifestyle of sin, a sinful lifestyle, you willfully acknowledging, acknowledgingly lived a sinful lifestyle away from me. I do not know you because in your heart, you didn't really care for him. You didn't really love him from your heart. It was an outward expression, which then means that you took on a religious spirit or the spirit of the Pharisee, which I like to call it, in which um, you did outwardly things to make people think you were a Christian. You were a Christian. You did things that were Christian-like. You were kind to people. You were nice. You could be the best person ever, the kindest, nicest person ever. If your heart is rotten, you won't make it. If you have a rotten heart and you don't have God's will in your heart, well, then that's it. All right, let's move on to verse five. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. So this kind of, um, you know, first of all, don't mock the poor. Don't make fun of the poor. Don't um, laugh at the poor. Don't make snap judgments and assuming who's poor and who's not. And you thinking that you're better than them because you're not better than anyone. None of us are better than any other person on this planet when it comes to poor, rich, middle class, whatever. Okay. I know we like to think we are society and the world has told us there's different statuses, but in the eyes of God, 
there is not all right and that's what matters what matters is what's in the spirit how is it in the spirit okay and that's what matters um and it says he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished so you consistently take joy in watching other people fall and stumble and you especially are the perpetrator that sets up a lot of these series of events to to like kind of lean back and watch something negative or bad happen to somebody and in other words you're a manipulator like woe to you because you will not go unpunished you most certainly will be unpunished when you set up situations you lie about things you're very slick and conniving um there's a spirit a, a, a demonic spirit attached to that kind of personality whether you want to believe that or not or hear that or not um, there's so many different unclean spirits that can take on, um, those witty, cunning type of, um, slick and tricky manipulative situations in which you set them up. Or maybe you don't set them up, but you just love hearing people fall, even if it's your enemy. Like you love, like people right now, like, oh my goodness, I'm going to just say in politics, like you guys, like too many people who call themselves Christians get so excited when they think something bad is about to happen to like the nation's leader. And I don't understand that because in Romans, I believe it's chapter 13, it clearly says that we are to respect authority for all authority is put in place by God. And if you're a true Christian and you believe everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, then we shouldn't be trying to take joy in being, I mean... You can disagree with things people say. You can disagree with, you know, how a person decides to dress or wear their hair or whatever. But we need to stop consistently bashing. God uses, he's, I think it's, is it in this one? I think it's in this chapter. He says he uses the evil um, for his good. So we need to be careful and and how do who do who are we to call someone evil you know god's plan is god's plan is god's plan if we were to listen to obey him what he says is that we are to respect authority and i know that's hard sometimes even on the job when we have someone who really is of a wicked spirit and you know they are um it can be very difficult so then that's when you have to take it to prayer you just have to take it to god man you cannot try to um allow your flesh to take over your thoughts and get you to act uh, prideful and arrogant and and wicked in your and vile in your heart in a way which will then punish you, punish you in the long run. And I've seen that happen to other people firsthand. They get so self righteous and pomp and circumstance and prideful and arrogant because they've been doing this more years than this person, and they think they know better. And you can't tell them nothing, then they get fired. They end up getting fired, okay? Because they have a severe lack of respect for authority. And um, you cannot like somebody, but to have a severe lack of respect for authority is a whole nother thing. And people show their behinds and then they want to get mad when and when they don't have a job or something and they want to cry out to the Lord and figure out, well, what happened? But they don't stop to think like, I'm a, I'm a savage when it comes to authority. I don't care. Like, I mean, we can't be like that, man. It's only going to fall back on you, so... Let's not be glad at calamity because when something does happen to you, you wouldn't want people laughing about how you lost your job, right? Right. How you lost your livelihood. So let's just keep praying, man. The best thing to do to keep yourself out of hot water, do not give an immediate reaction to anything. 
except for like if someone's telling you something that oh wow man that's crazy or whatever just say something that's so vague and really kind of expressionless unless it's funny then you know if it's truly funny like a joke or hilarious and everyone's laugh you know laugh depending on what it is but if it's someone who was hurt or they lost their livelihood or something like just don't make much comment about it and like take it to the Lord just send a prayer and be like man you know that's crazy I can't believe that happened pray about it man but don't take joy in thanksgiving and starting to rejoice because someone got fired or someone died. Like, y'all, some people be rejoicing when people die. Like, that's crazy. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. You will not go unpunished. That's a promise. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. That's a promise. You will be punished for your rejoicing in the hurt, harm, and danger of others. You will be punished for it. Verse six, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. So I was the grandparents, great grandparents, their glory, um, their crown is from their children. Um, it says in the glory of children is their father. So fathers just I know it's like, you know, it's like you want to say, children, make your parents proud, make your father proud. But fathers, make your children proud. Even in Proverbs 31, it talks of the, the um, uh, Proverbs 31 woman, how it says, and the children says she's blessed. Man, we have to be proud of our children. Just, I mean, the children have to be proud of the parents just as much as the parents need to be proud of the children. It should be a full circle thing where, like, they look up to you, they admire you, they they go to you as a sounding board. Um, they have respect for you. They know they know that you're not going to harm them. You know, they don't fear you. They know that you love them. Like, it's so important that we raise our children up right nowadays, especially today, because things are getting way out of control in a way that I have never seen before. And I'm not that old, y'all, but I have never, like, what's happening now in the cartoons and stuff and the things that they're pushing on, on TV to get us to accept certain things that are against the Word of God. Um, you know, I... It's just being real crazy out here. And it's so funny because I keep running into more and more people that are homeschooling their children because they're tired of it. They're tired of all this um, confusion being pushed onto their children um, and to try and accept it. And um, it's just not a good thing. It's not healthy. And we're not allowing parents to raise their children. We're not allowing children to make these decisions for themselves. We're not allowing kids to just grow up. And, and just be kids and, and just play with each other and understand that, you know, there are genders. There is a line, okay, of division between male and female. And now we're trying to blur the line and it's being pushed and um, it shouldn't be that way because we send them to school to get educated. We don't send them to school to have um, personal opinions pushed upon them um, about whether they're a boy or a girl, um, and I'm not saying it's being pushed, but, you know, I remember when the whole debacle came out with unisex bathrooms and all this other stuff. And it's just like, for what? What is for what? Um, if you want to do that, just have single stall bathrooms and don't have any bathrooms that have stalls at all. Just do the single room bathrooms with the lock on the door. And then whoever wants to go in and come out, it, it is what it is. Um, but to have multiple stalls in the bathroom, we just need to just... We have to be raised with the morals and values of God so that as our children get older, 
Not only can they respect people, I always teach my son, never make fun of anyone, never call anyone any names. It's not worth it. That, that equates to bullying. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Never make fun of anyone. Never call anyone names. Always be kind to people. Show compassion for them, but you don't have to hang out with them. You don't have to make friends with them. You don't have to go to Billy's house over after school and hang out with him if you don't want to because you might not agree with something he does or something he says. And the same thing of him for you. He don't have to come hang out with you or she don't have to come hang out with you as you get older because they don't like something you say or you did or you they don't like something you do consistently. And that's their prerogative. But don't make fun. Don't call names. And these are the types of less small things we need to instill in our children. You know, <clears throat> stick up for people that are being bullied by other people who, work, who don't have those values instilled in them. Just simple concepts, simple basic life concepts. And now that even that's trying to be um, warped and taken away um, through other, other ways um, in a circumventing type of way. So make sure that your children can be proud of you. As they think back on you when they might be sitting alone in college or alone in the library getting ready to study for a test or wondering what would my dad do in this situation? What would my mom do in this situation? Give them something to mimic behind you. And that's the glory of you that they wear on their head. Verse 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. So don't be a gossiper or what the Bible often likes to call a talebearer, which is something I think that's worse than a gossiper. Like you're an avid gossiper. So like these celebrity bloggers out here and people like, yeah, I'm a blogger. I'm a blogger, this, that, and the other. And they just talk about celebrity rumors and lives and all that other stuff. Like we have to be careful what we're talking about, because if you're talking about so many other people and what they're doing, what they're up to, and it has nothing to do with you, we just need to be careful and be mindful of that. Okay. So um, when someone tells you something that is a, especially something that's a very, that's a, that's a sin or they ask you not to tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Okay. Um, you know, and you will keep that. It says he who covers a transgression seeks love. Okay. But he who repeats a matter separates friends and you know, and don't go telling someone else's business that you heard from someone else, all this other stuff. And a lot of people say, Oh, I love a juicy story. Okay. Well, that juicy story can come back on you in a negative way if you tell it to someone else. Let someone else tell it if they want to put it out there. But if someone else tells you to put a story out there to spread something, say, no, thank you. You know, that's just not my thing, you know, but maybe we can hang out and do this one day or do that one day. Trust me, when you have the light living in Christ and people like that want to hang around you and so y'all might hang out one or two times, I guarantee you you'll never hang out again because they're going to be, they're going to feel like you too goody goody. Let them think that. Who cares? Let them believe that so they will leave you alone. That's how that's how Christ-like people get people who are wicked in their heart away from them. They want to come hang out with you. You know, it depends on the level of wickedness. There's levels to it, okay? But if they're like, they just ignorant and don't know any better, they hang out with you. You just live in the way the Holy Spirit in you is having you to live. And you just saying the things that the Holy Spirit in you is having you to say or not say. You're just gesturing the way the Holy Spirit in you would have you gesture about something. And, and what's going to happen is because you don't get overly excited and, and enticed by their words and their ways for wickedness and vileness, they're going to kind of lose interest in you. 
and then they're gonna back away and they're gonna kind of stop texting you to hang out and then that's what you want right so that's how you get rid of them that's a simple solution and so but at the same time if you really just don't want to hang out with them i think you also should do the due diligence to just be respectful enough to say hey you know i know um you like this and you like that and i know you know I, i know you guys or you like to do these things and it's just not my thing, but maybe one day if you want to go here or come to church with me, then blah, blah, man, as soon as you say that, trust me, you will never have to worry about them calling you again. <laughs> so um, make sure you're a person that when someone tells you something, keep it to yourself. Now, unless they're telling you a plan or a plot to harm themselves or someone else, then of course you say something to the right person to stop that plan from happening and you get them the help that they so desperately clearly need all right i am talking about just a general gossiping type of secret or sinful nature um you know don't tell anybody you know just keep it to yourself but if they're planning or plotting to harm uh, some other people or themselves then yes of course you do say something so we got to use our common sense with this scripture as well but we got to make sure yo we, we gotta we gotta look out for other people if they mean harm and they're planning and plotting harm man i don't care if someone call you a snitch be a snitch all day if you need to you're saving lives okay um And the Lord might just be using you to help thwart that plan of that wicked, evil person. Not that he needs anyone's help, but just saying something. God uses people for his plans to manifest, all right? Just don't ever forget that. So um, let's use our common sense with that right there. Verse 12, let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. It's better for you to meet an angry mama bear out in the wilderness, do you understand? (laughs) Than to meet a fool running around, talking that perverse speech, running his mouth, thinking he knows what he's talking about when really his conscience is seared by a hot iron, such as it says in 1 Timothy chapter four. All right. So he walks around thinking he know everything. You can't tell him nothing. Kind of like that song. Said, can't tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people love that song. So many kids love that song. But when I really look at the lyrics and listen to the lyrics, I'm like, man, this just ain't going to turn out too good for anyone who truly feels this pomp and circumstance flowing through these lyrics some people look at it as just a fun song to sing yeah okay but uh some people really can get into the lyrics of a word and really start feeling themselves taking on a form of pride which surely what did the lord say leads to destruction leads to strife and will doom you if you continue in that manner so we have to be careful of what we listen to what we watch and what we come um sing like what words come out of our mouths all right so it might be fun to sing maybe sometimes i say don't say anything that's gonna potentially fall back on you especially if you're speaking that out into the atmosphere so be careful with that all right um man can you imagine an angry mama bear missing her cubs and the lord is saying it's better for you to come across that situation than to come across a man who speaks heresy false doctrine and Gnostic type of teachings. That's basically what it's saying. And it's like, wow, like it's, it's better for me to be in the wilderness with an angry mama bear than to be in the presence and in the midst and in the environment of a fool who speaks against 
the holy living word of God, guys. If that don't say something to you, I don't remember that. It's chapter 17, verse 12. Man, write that on the tablet of your heart and remember that. It's better for you to come across an angry mama bear missing her cubs than for you to be in the environment and the atmosphere of a fool who speaks heresy and Gnosticism and against God's holy living word and doctrine. And so that means, that should mean that when you're amidst, amidst company and somebody starts speaking foolishness, you should as quickly as possible vacate the premises because it's not meant for you to be there. I don't care how much money you paid to go there. You should have did your research before you bought the ticket and went. Maybe somebody invited you. You didn't have to pay for anything, so it was free. Well, good for you. You don't lose out on anything. And just continuously ask the Lord to give you a greater sense of discernment through the Holy Spirit so that you can kind of predetermine and avoid situations like this and understand that when he starts pulling on your spirit, it's time to go. And if you got kids, make sure you scoop them up on your way out the door. But it's no way you should be continuing to stick around listening to people that not only want to share with you folly, whether it be through social media um, platforms, but uh, if someone in the flesh is actually speaking heresy or talking to you like they know something and it doesn't sound quite right with what God teaches because it doesn't quite line up or they're making a judgment call on Jesus's character you might want to hot tell it out of there all right verse 13 whoever rewards evil for good evil will not depart from his house yeah know that firsthand too not from my house but from other people that um I have witnessed this happen to um when you reward it because you entertain it. Entertaining it is rewarding it because it's piquing your interest. It's piquing your interest. It's piquing your interest. You want to know more. You want to see more. You want to know what else you can find out. What else you think you can do. How much more magical you think you can be. (laughs) You keep on, you're going to get burned. You know, they say you keep playing with fire. You're going to get burned eventually. There's no secrets to that. So, um, you know, it's saying evil will not depart from his house. When you reward evil for good, so if you get in your kids or trying to get your kid to do something that they shouldn't be doing or you just don't have any kind of morals in your house and you are actually confusing them, remember, God is not the author of confusion, Satan is. So the moment that you have a child, I've said this before, by default, you become a parent at that moment that you decide to take on and raise up a child. You then have taken on the role of a teacher. And if you're teaching them, completely against God's word and that there is no God and all this other stuff. Well, you, okay, unfortunately, not only are you on your way to hell, but you have now planted a seed in that child to lead them on their way to hell, which then means that you have now placed a very huge stumbling block in front of that soul, in front of that spirit. And you might have them practicing divination and all kinds of crazy heresy, Gnostics, occultic stuff, which is all Satanism. Okay, we need to be careful. And when you reward them for feeling like they've reached a certain goal of um, heresy, because maybe there's levels to it, I don't really want to know, then, well, evil will not depart from your house. Okay, the only way it can happen for anyone is repentance from the wholeness of your heart and then a renewing of the mind being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, believing that Jesus Christ is exactly who the Bible says he is, that he died on that cross, he was resurrected, he now sits in heaven on the right hand of God, all of that, all of that, all of that, all of that. You receive the salvation, all of that, all of that. 
got to do all of that and repent, repent, repent. And you repent, not just from your heart and supplication through prayer, your actions say a lot and really mean and shows outwardly how you feel from your heart inwardly. When the Lord sees that, then my friend, you are on your way to turning around only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Verse 19, he who loves transgression loves strife, and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. See, well, there we go again. He who loves transgression loves strife. So if you love sin, okay, well, you love strife. You might be living it up right now on earth, but oh, wait till we all have to pass away now. And at that time, you will not be loving transgression anymore. Matter of fact, you will regret it so much, so you wish you never sowed an ounce of it. But we all fall short of the glory of God. So, yeah, it's going to be a sad day in hell (laughs) for you. All right. And he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. So when you exalt your gate, again, that pomp and circumstance, that arrogance and pride and puffing your chest out and thinking, you know it all, you got it all. You can't tell anybody anything and or, or no one can tell you anything and all that other foolishness and you live like that. Like you make a habit of being arrogant, conceited and pompous, man, destruction. You're seeking after destruction. It will come upon you in due time. It's just a matter of time unless you repent before that period happens. And people have destruction that comes at them a million times, a million miles a minute in so many different forms. A lot of people automatically think about sickness or financial strife or loss of a home or something. It comes in so many forms, okay? Um, It could be in the loss of a loved one or you just might lose your life flat out. All right. There's so many ways that destruction falls upon people and the Lord will give a person chance after chance after chance to get it right. After a while, it will, it's almost like game over, just like a video game, game over. You're done to hell you go. He gives us chances, man, to get it right. He knows who really wants him and loves him and who struggle in life. And he tries to help us through putting us through that fire, through that sanctification, that purification process. And a lot of times we just don't get it. We still don't get it even after that. And sometimes you say, okay, well, I have to do the, let me do this again. This time over here, this way with this person or this company in this manner. Let's see if they get it this way. And he gives us chance after chance after chance because he has so much compassion for those that he knows love him. But that struggle in finding his will and his way for them. All right. And for me personally, it got to a point where he literally had to pluck me out of society, had to pluck me out of the world to get me to go through the process he needed me to go through to get to where I am today. And I'm just so thankful to him for it because he knew that work was a major hindrance. The work that I was doing was a major hindrance in me getting to that point. And he had to take me out of the environment, um, especially because there was a great um, level of wickedness at the last place I was at. And um, it was high stakes. Like I, like I, I felt it. It was high stakes wickedness in um, in the heart of a specific person. <clears throat> so much so, I didn't even want to see this this woman out of my peripheral vision. I didn't want to see her out the corner of my eye because that's how strong her um, negative. Um, I don't know, at 
environment was. It's hard to explain, but when you're in, when you live in a spirit and you look at everything from a spiritual perspective, like you feel certain, you just, you feel certain things. And I'm not saying it's clairvoyance, but you feel certain things when it's really strong from the wrong person, man. You know, let me get out of this place or let me stay away from that person. And they tried to team me up to have me be um, her subordinate. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> the Lord saved me from that situation. Anyway, verses 27 and 28. He who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. So he who has knowledge spares his words. Okay. What do people always say? If you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. I mean, guys, come on. This is so old school. It's so elementary level. We just need to retain it and remember it and stop thinking that people want to hear a piece of our Like A lot of us get self-righteous or a lot of Christians, so-called Christians, people call themselves Christians, they get very self-righteous and um, indignant and their knowledge and their credentials and like oh well I know this or I did this for X amount of years or I came from this place and I went to school here no one cares okay I, let me be the first to tell y'all no one cares I don't care where you we don't care where you went to school we don't care what your credentials look like yes you got hired off of that stuff but now once you're hired and you're in the field now the real game starts okay anyone can look beautiful on paper but how are you to work with people don't have to put up with I want to say a certain word. I'm not going to say it, but how people do not have to tolerate stupidity and foolishness and unwillingness to be a true, a true, real and good team player. No one has to deal with it. No one has to put up with it. No one has to pretend that it's okay. They can fire you for any reason that they want. It's just a matter of time, depending on where you work. For some people, they can just fire you on the spot. Okay, it's how are you in the team environment, all right? Um, And you have some people where you're actually a good fit, you are a good team player, but they're petty, and because they've been there before you, they look at you as a threat, because not only do you have the credentials and you can prove that you're a professional and have the credentials, but you also are a good team player, something that they're not, or you're not a gossiper, and they are, so now they have a target on your back because they're like, oh, she's goody two-shoes and she has the credentials. Now you've become a threat to them, and they're wondering, oh, I got to take her out out because they're gone and she thinks she's gonna get my job when the whole time you don't even want their job you're just trying to work you just want to do your job and go home come back do it again next day and go home (laughs) and people don't get that they're so scared that they're gonna lose their job because of their own insecurities they know that they're inept that they attack you and let me tell you when you're living with christ and you are in it with christ remember we are fighting against spirits and principalities of darkness and wickedness out here So when you have Christ's light in you, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, their minuscule vileness of darkness sees the Christ light in you through the spirit and they automatically go in for the kill. They're going to do anything they can to make it difficult or annoying or frustrating or whatever because they have such a wickedness in them. And sometimes it's a strong wickedness. Sometimes it's not as strong as a wickedness, but it's an unclean spirit, most likely, or a spirit of a a demon, a demonic spirit. And they know that you have Christ in you. And because they see that, they want to take it out. Like, oh, why is that near me? Why is that near me? Oh my gosh. 
And trust me, I felt that at the last job that I had. It was very, 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 very annoying. And uh, I remember one time when I was kind of just communing with the Lord. And it was hurting me because I was beginning to cry because it's like I, I got laid off. I was like, Lord, I was like, you know, like, why did this happen? And I just heard the Lord just speak to me so closely, like, you don't have to understand why what happened happened. Just accept it and move on. So it, it was like a twofold thing going on. Like, one, he was removing me out of the environment where there was definitely some wicked uh, spiritual um, demons in this person. Strong ones. They weren't no baby unclean spirits. These are people, like, this girl has had strife probably following her for a long time a long time and they're just they've just built upon one another um the other part of it was um I was starting to turn into someone that um has not done the best for themselves through life on the job and um I was getting frustrated a lot the Lord saw me crying out to him so many times And I think he just said, okay, enough. I need you now. He called me for a time such as this, guys. I don't know how to explain it to you, but he revealed it to me in the beginning of my walk that I was supposed to do something um, for other people. This is along the lines um, of that is all I can say. And um, I finally feel that you know, after so many years in a corporate space, um, not that I wouldn't go back, but that I know even in going back, I would still have to continue to uplift his kingdom because that is what I need to be doing right now. And I know sometimes when we start things and launch things and kick things off, Sometimes we get a strong response, okay, if you've been doing it for a while. Sometimes our response is kind of, it kind of teeters, it wanes, and we just don't know, we're not sure, we don't understand, you know, if it's going to take off or not or whatever, but if, if you're working in God's plan, one thing he showed me, even in this pursuit of Proverbs, although people haven't necessarily watched every single video every day when it's came out or, or podcast every day when it's come out. We have to follow his instruction and be obedient to what he's telling us to do. There's a very good reason why he wants us to do what he's asking us to do, whether it makes sense for us or not, whether people show up in the, in the, the boatloads or not to listen or to interact or to engage with you on this whole social media thing. He has his very divine and good reasons why he wants you to do something. And in times where I felt like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, I'd be scrolling on Instagram and someone would have a, a scripture or they would say something that says, keep going. Or I'd run into somebody in the street. I mean, at the gas station, y'all just get my coffee. And someone says, keep the faith, keep the faith. You say, you look like you don't want to go. And I said, I don't. I said, I'm getting burnt out. I don't know what to do anymore, man. I'm just burnt out. He said, man, he said, oh, I know. He said, I know how it is. I felt burnt out. And then he said, I went on two weeks vacation. He said, and I came back. He said, I was so refreshed. And I said, oh, I said, that's the hardest. You know, when you go on vacation and you got to come back, you're like, oh. He said, man, he said, but you got to go. You got to keep the faith. He said, man, he said, you know, just don't give up. Keep the faith. He said, he said, I believe. I said, oh, I believe too. Trust me. I said, yes. I said, I do too. I said, I'm just feeling a little tired right now. 
Then I go sit in the car, commune with the Lord because I brought my Bible with me so I could read, you know, just read and meditate on the word before I start work and um, listen to the radio. The radio comes on. And there's a song called I Believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And she just says that over and over and over and over. And then she was like, um, there's a part where she said, keep the something, keep the something, keep the faith, keep the faith. And I was like, wow, that man at, at the at the gas station just told me that. So that was confirmation right there. Okay, so God, and it's so funny because that gas station where I got my coffee, I didn't want to go there to get my coffee. I wanted to go to the little cute little coffee shop where the latte is a, a crazy amount of money. And the, I feel like the Lord speaks to He said, man, go to this gas station and go get your coffee. Don't you spend that money on that, that little cup of stuff <laughs> at that other place. So I was like, okay. I was like, I had a little bit of attitude about it too. I was like, I said, okay, I'll go over to the gas station. Went over there and that man told me to keep the faith. Right before um, I go into work, I'm sitting in the car. This song, I believe, comes on and it says keep the faith. And the Lord had me turn to Jude, which I thought was so interesting. To Jude. And I read the first thing where it says, the greeting to the called. Y'all, I cannot make this stuff up. When I say, when I say that I know what I'm here for, I know what I'm here for. I know what I'm here for on this earth. I know why I was born. I know what my God-given purpose is. I know it. Not too many people can say that. I'm just here trying to help you obtain the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding that God has for us so that you too will, one, not only have to go through this the, the crazy tribulations, that I've had to go through. Y'all, a book, such a book is going to come out of this, out of my whole story. Because it's crazy in a good way. Once you know the end. (laughs) The stuff he's revealed to me, even when I was far from him in my lifestyle, he knew that I've already received my salvation and believed him to be who he was. He would still come to me and reveal certain things to me through dreams. Maybe it was a dream every once in a while. Just one here or there every few years. But he knew my heart was with him, although my lifestyle did not reflect it. He knew I received the salvation. He knew that I believed in him, although my lifestyle did not reflect it. And when he saw me under great stress to the point, great stress to the point to where the Holy Spirit, the little bit that was left, y'all, grieved inside of me. He gave me a dream. He showed me what was going to be the outcome of my situation. And I lie to you, not every single thing. Every single thing that was in that dream. Full blown. Full blown happened exactly how he basically showed me. He showed me what I was doing. And he showed me how the people were going to ignore me. But they were going to watch from the sidelines, watch me being persecuted. They were going to watch me go under, if that's what it meant. They were going to watch me get slanderized in the workplace. The boss's boss's boss was going to watch all this happen. And she wasn't going to care. Yet she walks around toting and talking about God in the Bible all the time. She goes to church every Sunday. She does all this stuff. 
yet in her heart, she was wicked. And that no matter what I did and who I talked to, she, as a person who could do something, was going to absolutely do nothing. And if it meant me suffering under the brutality of being beaten by slander of my own supervisors, she was going to stand in the shadows and watch it happen because she didn't care. Yet she always talked about Jesus. See, when the Lord knows that you're with him, although your lifestyle won't reflect it, you received the salvation, you've been baptized, you proclaimed him and you've named him, he will let you know. When the Holy Spirit grieves on your behalf, he will finally give you a vision to let you know how it's going to play out. And it played out exactly how he showed me in my dream. Why would the Lord put Jude on my heart randomly after the man told me keep the faith with this pursuit of Proverbs study? He didn't know exactly what I was talking about. But between that and and work work, I was worn out, guys. I was tired. Then when it came to the radio song, that song happened to come on. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, keep the faith. Keep watching it, keep waiting it, keep saying it, keep speaking it, keep faith in it, I believe. Then the Lord puts it on my heart to flip the Jude. Greeting to the called. And it says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy peace and love be multiplied to you. The subtitle of the next section, starting with verse three, is titled, Contend for the Faith. Keep the faith. One time at the gas station. Keep the faith. One time in the car, listen to the song. And now here again, keep the faith. Three times within a one hour span, the Lord told me to keep the faith, to keep doing this proverb study, to keep speaking his truth, to keep speaking his wisdom, to keep telling you guys his knowledge and understanding and how to apply it and how to look at it in today's perspective based on examples that either I've experienced or others have experienced or told me about. To keep the faith, meaning to continue. He did not tell me to stop. He did not tell me to give up. He did not tell me to put it away because somebody isn't listening to every episode every day. He did not tell me to stop. It's about obedience. It's about listening, seeking, attempting to listen to what he's telling you to do. Going to him in prayer, going to him in communion. That's true communion is listening to God in the spirit. That is the real communion. It is not tossing back grape juice or wine and eating unleavened bread. It is listening to what he has to say to you. That is what communion is. Who is talking about that? No one. Why not? Who knows? Who knows? I don't want to start talking about agendas and this that. I don't care about that. But I want you to know that true communion is about Getting to a quiet place by yourself. Jesus did this all the time during his ministry. He would leave the disciples and he would go and he would 
He would pray and he would fast and he would commune with the Father. That is what we are to do. We are to imitate Jesus. To judge with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. To fast, to pray, to commune with the Lord. That's called the relationship. Living in the Spirit. Being a true follower of Jesus Christ, a true body, a true brother or sister in the body of Christ. Contend with the faith. It says, starting at verse three in Jude, beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Contend earnestly for the faith. That's all I needed to hear. All I needed to read was the subtitle. Well, first of all, the title, it says greeting to the called, which confirms purpose. Then contend for the faith. Contend for the faith, which confirms the Lord was telling me. After he already told me, he already told me, don't give up and don't stop. But it's like I had to hear it three more times. And he gave it to me just like that within a one hour time frame. And I didn't even want to go to the gas station I went to. I wanted to go over here to this little coffee shop. And the Lord in my spirit just was like, no, you better go over there to the gas station. I want you guys to start really forming your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why I even started this study. Because so many people are going to tell you Christianity is about religion and it's religious. And it's not. True Christians, people who are a part of the true body of Christ know this. They know this already. It is a relationship beyond any relationship you've thought you ever had or one that maybe you've never had and always yearned for. There's so much love in it and compassion and assurance. You want confirmation? Oh, he'll give it to you. And you'll never forget it. I love you guys. I hope this really spoke to someone so deeply today to understand how important it is to have and start cultivating today your relationship with Jesus Christ. First starting out by repentance of your sins and accepting that free, loving gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. I love you all, and I hope to see you all in the next video. Bye.